Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we just heard read, our sermon text for today is the account of the ministry of John the Baptist. Out there preaching in the wilderness is the picture if you're here in church this morning on the, the front of our service folder today. John was a rather rugged figure. Uh, he was living out in the wild. He wore uh, clothing made from camel's hair and he ate uh, bugs. He ate locusts and, and wild honey, kind of lived off the land. So he was a kind of an intriguing character. And as we read, uh, people came from all around to see this rather crazy-looking guy, but especially to hear the message that he was proclaiming. It was a powerful message, calling people to repent of their sins. He announced that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. That the Messiah, the Savior that God had promised to send into the world, that that God had promised for generations, for millennia even, that he would send in the future to rescue his people, that Savior was finally about to appear. So we see that even, even though John attracted many people to come and see him, he himself was not the main event, but he was kind of more like a signpost, pointing people to the main event, pointing people to the actual Messiah, the Savior, to as he testified to the one who was greater than himself. He said, whose sandals he is not even worthy to carry. Such a lowly task that he is, did not even consider himself worthy of doing. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, we read about that specific message that John the Baptist preached, pointing people to Jesus as the Savior. He called Jesus the Lamb of God. As you see, the, the Lamb on the front of our altar and on the, the center, uh, above the, the center door and stained glass as you exit the church. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world will sacrifice himself, his innocent life, his life's blood to pay for the sins of the world. And so the people came out in hordes to see John there in the wilderness and to hear his preaching. We read that, when they came out to him, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. And then we read that also some of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, if, you're, if you don't remember from Bible history who those people were, they were uh, a couple of the main groups of religious leaders of the Jewish people. They also came out to be baptized by John. But John's message to them was a little bit different, uh, we see, than his general message to the average people. To them, the Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, John called their so-called repentance fruitless and invalid. John made clear that the Messiah's winnowing shovel would soon be used to separate the wheat from the chaff. Now, for us who are a little bit probably removed from an agrarian culture and society. Uh, in old times, when they would harvest grain, they would need to separate the kernel of the grain, the edible part, from the, the husk, the, the hull that surrounds the kernel of grain. And to, use, uh, to do that, they would take a winnowing fork or a winnowing shovel to, to scoop up grain and toss it up into the air and let the wind 
uh, blow away the, the light chaff, which was inedible, and so the, the grain, which was edible and heavier, would fall down on the ground and they would collect that. So John used that as a picture of the way that Jesus would judge all people. He would separate the wheat from the chaff. Those who were truly repentant of their sins and not just putting on a show of repentance, as John knew many of those Pharisees and Sadducees were doing, only pretending. John's call was unmistakable. It was a call to true repentance, to repentance from the heart, to repentance that would bear fruit in the life of the person, the fruit of God's forgiveness and of all of the fruits of the faith that, that God's forgiveness produces in lives of believers by the grace of God's Son, Jesus, the Messiah, who is about to appear and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. John's call almost 2,000 years ago is just as applicable to us today. Even the most faithful Christian today needs repeated repentance and also needs repeated assurance of God's forgiveness through Jesus. Think back to your Sunday school days or your, your confirmation class days. What would you say that the main message of the Bible is to us? Maybe from, from what you hear people uh, saying about the Christian message, about the, the main message of, of the Bible and the Christian faith. Some people say that, that the message of Christianity is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But that's not actually the main message of the Bible. Obey the Ten Commandments. God is love. Love your neighbor as yourself. And although each of those are passages from the Bible, they are truths from God, none of those really are the main message of the Bible. No, the center message and, and challenge of the Bible to us in, in both the Old and New Testaments is the message that we see from John the Baptist in our Gospel reading today. Repent and receive God's forgiveness. That was the clarion call of all the prophets that God sent to proclaim his message to his people in the Old Testament before Jesus came. That is also the heart of John the Baptist's message here in our text, as he says, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is near. And as we will see as, as Jesus' ministry soon develops, that was also the keynote of Jesus' own ministry and preaching. After John the Baptist was arrested and put in prison by Herod Antipas, Jesus went to Capernaum in Galilee. And in Matthew chapter 4, we read that it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is near. And a little bit later on during Jesus' ministry, and we read in Mark chapter 6, that as Jesus was preparing to, to train his disciples through sending them out on a short missionary journey, uh, Jesus gave them some instructions for how they were to conduct themselves on that short mission trip. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 12, uh, we read that they went out and preached that people should repent. And then later on, at the very end of Jesus' ministry here on earth, he summed up his ultimate charge and, and commission to his disciples just before he ascended into heaven by saying, Repentance 
and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. And that is the same commission that Jesus has given to you and to me. That is the heart of the Bible's message. But do we today, even here in the church, understand the real meaning of repentance, especially when we hear about that, that idea so many times and when we go through it again and again and again in our Christian lives, do you perhaps become weary of that treadmill, repenting and repenting and repenting, especially perhaps if you've been a Christian for many years of your life? Do you get sick of hearing sermons about it? Uh, do you get sick of, of having repentance analyzed, of having repentance urged upon you? Especially perhaps when you have tried valiantly by God's grace to live a, a better, a more godly Christian life. And perhaps you've made some progress in doing that. But then, again, you've fallen flat on your face in sin. You grow weary, perhaps, of picking yourself up starting all over again. Each of us here today is, is in a little bit of a different position in relation to John the Baptist and Jesus' call to repentance. Some of us perhaps are bored with hearing that call to repentance again. Others just, just don't want to hear about having to repent at all. Others perhaps are, are sick of themselves and welcome the call to repentance and and the reality about themselves that it brings, and then also certainly even more so welcome the forgiveness that flows freely from God's limitless mercy. But whatever your spiritual state is this morning, for each of us, one thing is clear. God does call all of us to repentance again during this Advent season. And, of course, every season of the year and of life. Repentance at its, at its heart is a, a changing of our minds, a complete turning around, turning from one direction and course of action, turning away from our sins and turning toward God, turning to God's grace and his will for our lives. And so true repentance involves contrition, confession, and conversion. Now, perhaps some of those are, are not words that we use so frequently. Contrition means true sorrow over sin. Not just being afraid of punishment, uh, not just being sorry that you got caught and now you have to face the consequences. No, it means that you are really sorry enough to actually confess your sins and to convert. That is, to make a change in your heart and in your life. So repentance is the realization that you have sinned and regret from your heart that you have sinned. And then resolve not to sin again. All, of course, only by the power and grace of God. Are you ready to repent? To take all of those three steps? As we think about that, important for us to, to realize the truth that repentance is not just for those outside the church, for unbelievers. Repentance is also needed here within the church, for believers, wherever we have fallen short of God's grace and of his will for our lives. 
John's words in our reading were directly, directed with particular severity to those hypocritical religious leaders of the Jewish people of that day who also came out together with other people to be baptized by John. But John made clear that what he knew they were thinking in their minds of their claim of having Abraham as their father, in effect they were claiming that they had some special status in God's kingdom simply because of who they were by birth, Jewish people. They thought they were so special and could never fall away from God's grace. But John tells them that that status is irrelevant in God's kingdom. And so for us today, it's important for us to think about that as well. That even the most faithful church member, no matter how long you have been in the church, still needs God's call to repentance. It's not just a call to those outside the church. It's not just a call to those who are living notoriously wicked and and openly sinful and evil lives. This is also a call to those inside the church. Those of us who perhaps don't like to admit our sins to each other. Those of us who often try to present a a, a picture of ourselves to others as, as having it all together. But of course, God knows the sins that we struggle with, sins that perhaps no other human being knows about. God knows. As we think about our Christian lives, there's a a big difference between just having made our confirmation versus actually living out daily our baptismal vow and, and the baptismal grace that God has given to us. There's a big difference between just going to church versus actually being the church, being the people of God, wherever you are, wherever you live or work or play. There's a big difference between just going to communion and actually receiving the Lord's Supper with a truly penitent heart and with a joyful spirit, rejoicing in the forgiveness of sins that God showers upon you. Yes, there are are many ways, many temptations for us where we could just slide into simply going through the motions of of these outward actions of of the church life. And so if if we fall into that trap, we would tragically make the words of Jesus apply to us as he speaks in Matthew 15. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So how should we repent? Think over and confess to God the abominableness of your sin. And then let Jesus take over from there. That really is the ultimate purpose of John's and of Jesus' call to repentance. Not to inflict hurt upon us, but to bring healing and restoration to us. Not to to damn us to an eternity of suffering in hell, but to deliver us from that terrible fate and to assure us of of the hope of perfect eternal future in heaven by his grace. Remember that we said earlier that repentance was the key message of the whole Bible, the key message of, of God to us. But that's not all we said. We said repent, meaning repentance in, in the fullest sense, complete change from the heart, not just outwardly. Not just be good in your outward actions, but but change your heart. 
Rejoice in God's forgiveness and conform your life to his grace. That really is the key to repentance. Receiving God's forgiveness. Trusting it. Fully believing in it. And rejoicing in it. So we see that the biblical message is not only law, God calling us to account for our sins, but also gospel. The good news of his love and forgiveness. It's not only judgment, but also mercy. So John the Baptist saying Jesus' call is not to fear, but to peace. It's a call to confession so that the fruits of repentance might come forth. The forgiveness of sins and a deep and abiding peace that results from knowing and believing that forgiveness. The purpose of John's call is to to make us realize our sinful condition so that we repent and we receive God's gracious forgiveness. The ultimate purpose of God's law is not to damn us, but to make us desire to hear the good news of the gospel. Note again John's words of of that core part of his message, repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. It sounds like a, a, a bad news for us, making us think of all the terrible things we have done, but actually that full statement, repent because the kingdom of heaven is near, This is ultimately good news for us, not bad news. Because it assures us that God's kingdom is near. And in fact, since Jesus has already come, God's kingdom is here. You are now, right now, in God's kingdom of grace because of Jesus' death and resurrection in your place. Now, right now, you are receiving the blessed fruits of Jesus' atonement, of his sacrifice in your place. He's given those fruits of of forgiveness and salvation to you through your baptism, through his word and the Lord's Supper. So now you can live with joy, with true joy, knowing that this is your assurance, that this is God's certain promise to you. The most faithful Christian among us knows that he or she needs this call to repentance each day. We all still have the old Adam inside of us, this sinful nature. And our sinful nature is always trying to attack and tear down the new creation, the new man that lives inside of us through faith in Jesus as our Savior. And, And it's constantly doing that until the day that God calls us out of this life. But we have the joyful certainty of our Savior's forgiveness, that he sealed to us, that he assured to us by his death and resurrection. Earlier in our worship service, after we confessed our sins together, we once more heard the joyful news that we are still God's dearly loved children. We are still members of his family. And now, with that good news, our song of praise can ring out. What a wonderful God we have. Amen.